first, I have a serious question. Does anyone know what the uh, most commonly spoken language in the world is? It's Mandarin Chinese, that, right. So what's the least spoken language in the world? It, it's sign language. <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't get it. What? <laughs> Why can't you hear a pterodactyl go to the bathroom? Because the P is silent. Uh, wait, what? I don't, yeah, it, this, is, this is it. This is what we're doing for the next 40 minutes. So, all right. Five-fourths of people admit that they're bad with fractions. That one didn't get, uh, now you're hearing some rumbling. Yeah, so now you're hearing some rumbling. That's a math joke, okay? So, ma oh, yeah, math and I aren't friends. I don't, I don't really get math. I did kind of get this joke. But I tell you, you know, if I had a nickel for every time someone told me I was bad at math, I'd have like a buck 83. <laughs> Some of you got that. That was another joke, by the way. So if you don't get something, what's, what, what do we do? Like, for instance, I'm bad at math. I want to figure something out. What do we do in 2019 to figure it out? We go to the Google. We go to the Google, don't we? Okay. So... The other, like last week, I had to do, I'm a graphic designer, and I had to split this, this circle into pies. And I had to figure out the angle of each one as I was doing it in Photoshop. And so I went to Google, and I was like, okay, so I need to figure out how many things are in there. So I go, and I was like, so I tried, I looked at this chart, and I was like, 22, is that right? No. So then I got this thing out, and I was like, well, I still don't really understand because there's 15 degrees, but I need the angle so then there was something with pi or there's degrees or something. I wasn't really sure. And then, and then they said get a protractor out. And I, I don't. And then they got this chart out. And I was like, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to call my smart math person. And that person in my life is my wife. And so I explained the situation. She's like, yeah, just take 360 divided by blah, 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 blah. And your answer is 22 and a half degrees. Well, that's what I thought. When it comes to faith in the church, sometimes we're like that too. You know, we don't know. Sometimes we pretend like we know, but we really don't know. When someone's trying to explain a concept or a bunch of words, or we're reading the Bible, it's the same deal. So we could go out to Google, or we could ask, and bear in mind, you go out to Google and you type in something, you're going to get a whole myriad of answers depending on what someone's agenda is. But then there's also... There are people that are safe in your life. And I just want to offer that the leadership here at Mount Helena, if you have questions about things, we're not going to make you feel stupid. We want this to be a safe place. You can ask your questions to the leaders here at our church. There's a group of people on the back of your program that you can take a look. And if you have any questions and you're feeling like, I don't get it, we want to help you get it. And we want you to be, I feel safe. I've had experiences in my life as I was growing up about different concepts in my life. One of those concepts is something called the kingdom of God. I didn't get the kingdom of God well into my adult uh, topic. And that is our topic for today, is the kingdom of God. Jared has done an awesome job explaining in depth over the last few weeks about the kingdom of God. And I want to take what he has done and I kind of want to boil it down and give you a working definition of the kingdom of God. And we're going to let the book of Mark do that for us. 
So we're going to turn, if you have your Bible, to turn to Mark chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 14. So what we're going to do is we're going to get a working, working definition of the kingdom of God. You're like, kingdom of God? What, the, what is that? The kingdom of God. And then what we're going to show you, I'm going to show you, is we're going to boil that down into five specific values that we're going to use in this church going forward for the future. We have five kingdom values that we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. So while we're doing that, I want to suggest to you, before we kind of get into the book of Mark, that while you're looking at it, we kind of have a picture of the word kingdom, don't we? Okay, so I've had a picture of the word kingdom, and this is what I see in my vision of the word kingdom. I have a king, and he's sitting on a throne, and he's in a castle, and he's presiding over a body of land and its people. And we've got, what do we have here? We've got Princess Bride, Lord of the Rings, and any Disney princess movie. Okay? Okay? So the Jews in Jesus' time also had this like, picture and idea of what a kingdom would look like. It is a physical realm where the king would rise up and vanquish his enemies and rule over them in their realm, the word realm. But I want to suggest to you that the Bible's concept of kingdom is not realm. It is not that. The Bible's suggestion is the word reign. It is what you would see with sovereign governance, action, lordship, how he governs, not the physical realm. But that's a whole other topic. So we could get into that and I could explain to you. But I just want to kind of move your mind to think that the kingdom is the actual governance, the authority of God moving forward. And that's the picture that I want you to see. Okay, so we're going to go into Mark. Mark opens with the introduction of John the Baptist. And John's the messenger preparing the way for the Redeemer. He's declaring the king is here, and he's ushering in his kingdom. And then Jesus is baptized, and then he's tempted by Satan. And we go into, oh, let me just back up again. Let's point again. The kingdom of God is God's reign over the earth. That's, that's kind of the idea that I want you to get. The kingdom of God is God's reign over the earth. And so here's what Jesus says. It says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, these are the first words that Jesus speaks in his public ministry. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So I want to pull three things out about the kingdom of God. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So the first thing that we talked about was, it's God's reign over the earth. The second thing is the kingdom of God is good news. Okay, He's using the word gospel. The word gospel in Greek means news that brings great joy, and it's always used in the context of news of some event that changed things in a meaningful way. Let me repeat that. The gospel is used in terms of news that some event that changed things in a meaningful way. So what was that event? Number two, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. The kingdom of God is here. 
So it's not far away, but we know that God's kingdom, with the arrival of Jesus, he's saying, it's right now. And thirdly, the kingdom of God requires repentance and faith. Repent and believe in the gospel. How does one enter into the king, the kingdom of God? Repent and believe. That's it. That's how you enter the kingdom of God. And you're invited into the kingdom of God. And if you haven't done that, I want to invite you today to enter into the kingdom of God. And the only thing that you need to do is repent and believe. That's it. Okay? So we're going to jump ahead to Mark chapter 4. And Jesus tells two parables. And this is where I kind of got confused about the kingdom of God. He says, the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps right and rises day and night, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade in the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts on the sickle, because the harvest has come. So he tells the story that the kingdom of God is like a dude who throws seed on the ground. Then he says, immediately after, with that said, what else should we compare the kingdom of God? What parable should we use? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. And yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that all the birds of the air can nest in its shade. So to recap, the kingdom of God is like a farmer and mustard. Got it. No, no, it's not. It's a mustard seed. And then the mustard seed, which is super tiny, grows up into a big mustard plant. So what do we learn from this parable? So the first parable, in the first parable, the man is, I'll go back here, the man is Jesus. And so what he does in this parable is he spreads out the seed indiscriminately wherever and wherever, and there goes the seed, and he does nothing, and the earth produces it, grows up, and the grain is ripe, and at once it puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Okay? And then the second one, very small seed, it grows into a big, fruitful plant, useful for anyone. So let's get back ahead. Mustard. Mustard tree. And so one of the things that I want you to notice is that, number five, the kingdom of God is expanding and growing. That's what the kingdom of God is doing. It's expanding and growing wherever. How many of you remember this? What is, who, who is that? Frog and Toad. Love Frog and Toad. I still read Frog and Toad. Okay, so there's this book, Frog and Toad together. Toad, he decides he's going to plant a garden, but he gets super impatient for the seeds to grow, and he's convinced that he can help the seeds grow. So what does he do? He goes and he, he commands them to grow, and then he goes out at night and he reads them a story, and then he sings songs, and then he reads them poetry, and then he plays them his fiddle. And finally, after being super, super tired, he falls asleep. And when he's doing nothing, the seeds sprout from the ground. And unfortunately, he doesn't learn the lesson because he concludes that the seeds came up because of all his hard work. The end. I swear that the plot of this book is stolen directly from Jesus. Okay? So 
We are Jesus' messengers to spread the seed to wherever, to whomever, and it's our job to throw it out as Jesus' ambassadors. Do we make it grow? No, we do not. But it's our responsibility to throw it out, follow his commands, and expand his kingdom by speaking the word. Part of my ethnic heritage is Norwegian. And my grandma's like almost full Norwegian. And so we would tell jokes all the time about Norwegians. She gave me this Oli and Lena joke book, and Oli and Lena and Sven. Does, is anyone, does this ring a bell for anyone? Okay, a few, a few of you. Okay. So we love making fun of Norwegians. But most of you are like, Norwegian, why would you make fun of Norwegians? It just happened to you. You could, you could insert any ethnic group. So did you hear about the Norwegian who broke his leg breaking leaves? Yeah, he fell out of the tree. Oh, there you got it. Okay. All right. Where do Norwegians put their armies? Up their sleeves. Chapter 8. Calling to the crowds with his disciples, he says to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed. When he comes in the glory of his Father, with the holy angels. So I'm going to let, rather than doing separate teachings, I'm just going to let Jesus tell us what the kingdom of God is. If anyone would come after me, the kingdom of God is open for all of you to join in. If anyone would come, the kingdom of God is open for us to join in into his kingdom with the king. Number seven. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The kingdom of God requires commitment and sacrifice. For whoever would love his life and lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. The kingdom of God is salvation for this life and beyond. Three things. It's open. It requires commitment and sacrifice. And the kingdom of God is salvation for this life and beyond. So that begs the question, what do you call it when Batman skips church? Christian Bale. <laughs> yes. So now he moves on to chapter 9. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who would not taste death until after they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Make a mental note there. Wait a minute. Didn't you say it was here? Till the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Hmm. So then, six days pass, so almost a week, and Jesus took with, them, took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly 
looking around and no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only, and they were coming down the mountain. And he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Okay, so I want to point out two things. Who do we know that went up a mountain and saw a cloud and the clouds spoke to him? I'm going to point it out right there. Okay. Who do we know that went up a mountain and fire rained down onto an altar and then a cloud appeared? Elijah. So can you see the parallels of what is happening here? Okay. So the other thing that I want to point out is, again, wait a minute. You said that the kingdom of God is here. And after it has come with power, wait, how could it already be, how could it be here, but it doesn't come until after it's come with power? That doesn't make any sense. That's because the kingdom of God is still to come. It's here, but it's coming. Now, that sounds weird, but that's the way it is. Because, because, it's, because I'm going to show you what, what he does here. Let's go back and... Just check this out here, okay? So what he does is he says, I'm standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And then immediately afterwards, he takes them up a mountain and shows them a taste, a foreshadowing, a glimmer, a sliver of what the kingdom of God is going to look like when he comes again. And he shows them with Elijah and he shows them with Moses. Jesus said that he is coming back to restore everything. He's going to make it like the way it was before. Restore God to his people. Restore wholeness and healing. Restore the world back to its former glory at creation. He's restored. He's restoring. And he's restoring in the future. When we see the Son of Man returning, he will be returning in glory to bring complete redemption as our Redeemer the Redeemer glorified as fully man and fully God that he is. So the kingdom of God is here, and it's still to come. Why does Snoop Dogg always carry an umbrella? Faux drizzle. <laughs> okay, that was really pop culture. Some of you are like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Okay, that's why we got it. Yeah, some of you got that. So let's go with this one. What do you call an illegally parked frog? Toad. T-O-A-D-T-O-W-E-D. Oh, I got it. Okay. Mark chapter 10. So we're moving on forward, and we're still talking about the kingdom of God. They were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child, shall not enter it. And he took them in their arms and blessed them, laying their hands on them. So what does it mean to receive the kingdom of God like a child? It could mean a number of things that we could read. It could be in innocence and whatever. But what in this context, what I think he's saying is the kingdom of God requires total dependence. We must be like a child who is completely dependent on an adult. And so... 
we have to give up ourselves, give up our control, give up our pride, give up our self-dependence, and allow God to lead us like a child. So immediately after this, verse 17. And so Jesus was setting out on his journey, and a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bar false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. So the guy says to him, um, Teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, he loved him, and he said to him, Ah, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it's impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. So we've learned, again, going back, kingdom of God requires commitment and sacrifice. This passage mirrors that again. And it's salvation for this life and beyond. But there's a couple. There's one more thing that we can really learn from this, and that's the kingdom of God requires radical generosity. Radical generosity. To be clear, Jesus is not saying you can't get into heaven if you're rich. What he's saying is that if you prioritize something else over following him, if you make something else an idol and you cannot let go of it in order to get on board with him in the kingdom, then there is no place for you. You must self-sacrifice. Let's restate it this way. How difficult it will be for those who prioritize their wealth over the needs of others to enter the kingdom of God. Generosity over stinginess. Sacrifice over selfishness. Others over myself. I'm going to take 10 seconds, and we're going to be quiet, and I want you to look at those statements, and I want you to think about how that affects you. That's hard for me. That's really hard for me. Why can't melons get married? Because they can't elope. We're going to keep reading, and this is immediately after in verse 10. I mean, starting in chapter 10. We're going to verse 28. Peter began to say to him, see, hey, you, Jesus, we left everything, and we followed you. We did that. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So here's the first, here's some principles that he's laying out. The kingdom of God is family. The kingdom of God is family. We are family. We are a spiritual family. We come together as family and God awards us family who are not blood, but we share the same mission and gospel and savior. We are adopted into his family. 
We are family. The second thing is the kingdom of God is servanthood. Many who are first will be last and the last first. We prioritize others' needs over ourselves. So let's boil down everything that we have learned today. Okay? The kingdom of God is God's reign over the earth. It's good news. It's here. It's repentance and faith. It's expanding and growing. It's open to join in. It's commitment and sacrifice. Salvation. It's still to come. It's total dependence on him. It's radical generosity. It's family. And it's servanthood. So if someone's going to come up to you and ask you, so what is the kingdom of God? And you're like, okay, so hold on, let me get my list out. I'm going to explain to you what exactly the the kingdom of God is. So what I try to do is I try to boil that down into a more palatable thing. So here's my first attempt. We are invited to participate in God's expanding rule and restoration of this world and its people to himself through our commitment and sacrifice to share the good news of Jesus, which is salvation now and forevermore. Huh. Hold on. Let me get my, hold on. What's the kingdom of God? Let me get that out here. Okay. We are invited to participate in God's, no. So we boiled that down here. One more time. The kingdom of God, the redeemer restoring the world to himself by using us. And that is the kingdom of God. The redeemer restoring the world to himself by using us. How do you organize a space party? You plan it. Nah, okay. That was that was lame. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So here's what we're going to do. We have looked at through the book of Mark, and there are so many more examples of what the kingdom of God is. We haven't looked at there's hundreds of references in the New Testament of the kingdom of God. And in the book of Matthew, in the book of Luke, and in the book of John specifically, there are many more examples of what Jesus, how he lays out through parables, what is the kingdom of God, okay? So we don't have time to look at all of those today, but you kind of get a good picture just walking through the first 10 chapters of Mark, what the kingdom of God is. What are we going to do about it? God has called his people to gather and live out the kingdom of God on this earth, and we are going to fulfill the kingdom. So the leaders at Mount Helena have looked at the kingdom of God, and we have determined what that's going to look like in their next season of life. So we've boiled this down to five different kingdom values. So over the next mm, six to eight weeks, each person who's up here speaking is going to look at one of these five values and is going to go into depth into each of them. Here they are from what we learned. Authenticity generosity, commitment, development, and family. We're going to live out the kingdom of God through these five values. I'm going to touch on each one of them, just to kind of give you a little preview. The first one, authenticity. We're going to be real. We're going to be honest. Let's not be fake. Remember at the beginning of this message where I talked about 
I'm going to pretend that I know what I really don't know, or maybe I'm going to pretend to be someone that I'm not. We're not going to pretend. That's not a value that we have here at Mount Helena. We're going to genuinely pursue the kingdom of God, being completely dependent on him in full humility. Why authenticity? Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God is like a little is like a child, like a little child shall not enter it. That's why we value authenticity. We're going to go in completely dependent on him. Number two, generosity. Giving to others from every resource that we have in our lives directly demonstrates the heart of God. We're going to give spiritually. We're going to give emotionally. We're going to give financially. We're going to give like Jesus gives, with others' best interest in mind before ourselves. Why generosity? How difficult will it be for those who prioritize their wealth and self over the needs of others to enter the kingdom of God? That's why we prioritize generosity. Number three, commitment. God has committed himself to his people, saying that he will never leave us or forsake us, and he's asked us to model his commitment. We're going to walk together in sacrifice. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. Number four, development. Being a part of the kingdom of God requires that we're always learning, adjusting, and growing. Growing and expanding. When the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. We start as a mustard seed and we grow into a big tree. We are growing and expanding, both individually and this church. We're going to extend the kingdom of God to others through us. And finally, family. God has chosen to describe his church as a family, which means that we all come together and we play a part in assisting successful connections with Christ. This is a safe place to honor and to nurture and to serve one another as we develop together. We are a family, regardless of where we've come from, regardless of what we've done, regardless of maybe our separate ideas about how we live it out. We're a family, and we're going to grow together. Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and age to come. By the way, I just want to point out, I don't really like this. I, I, I kind of want to cross out the persecutions, but it's, it's a part of it. So, one more time, our five kingdom values as we move forward into this new season. What's that new season look like? Well, next week, baptisms. If you have not repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is a time for you to do it. It's an open, extent, it's an open invitation for you to join in in what God's doing in his kingdom and to join in what we're doing um, in, uh, in our family. So the five kingdom values, authenticity, generosity, commitment, development, and family. Okay, so what I want to do is, moving forward, I want to ask you 
three questions. The first, am I ready to participate in God's kingdom in this next season of my life? Is there anything holding me back from embracing authenticity, generosity, commitment, development, and family? Why does the Norwegian Navy put barcodes on ships? So they can scan the Navy in. I love that joke. Let's stand together. Am I ready to participate in God's kingdom in this next season of my life? Is there anything holding me back from embracing authenticity, generosity, commitment, development, and family? Those two questions, think about that this week. How can you get involved? How can you be a part of what God is doing in this kingdom on this earth right now and in the future? If there's anything that you want to pray about, if there's anyone, anything you want to talk to about, we're going to have a prayer team up here over to the right. And if you want to come up and just talk to somebody, there are folks up here that want to talk to you. And there are folks that want to pray with you. And there are folks that want to move forward together as a family with you. Um, if you want to talk to me afterwards, you're more than welcome to do so. If you want to talk about baptism, and what does that look like? And why would I do that? And I'm interested. You can talk to me or specifically Jason Harris over here. So um, we want to extend that invitation to you. So let's pray. Let's move forward together in God's kingdom. God, we love you. We bless you. Thank you so much for showing us your kingdom and what that means to be in, a part of it. God, we're so grateful that you have asked us and invited us in, and it's for anyone to be a part of your restoration of this earth, your restoration of your people to you for their salvation. God, we want to live out your kingdom principles on this earth today, tomorrow, for the rest of our lives. And Lord, help us with your Holy Spirit to fill us and indwell us so that we would have the power moving forward to serve you and expand your growing kingdom. Thank you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen.